0: For the boy. When he pointed out to the lieutenant that he had no shoes with him, the officer borrowed a pair from one of the crew. Both he and the midshipman presented him with a handkerchief, presumably to be used as a flag to attract the attention of passing vessels, and one of the crew gave the boy his knife. Before pushing off, the lieutenant told him to keep a sharp lookout for ships that pass. So they left him turning of necessity a deaf ear to his pitiful cries. Geoffrey stood on the shore in the waning light, the tears streaming down his face, watching the boat as it receded, and the splash of the oars grew fainter and fainter at every moment. Presently darkness fell. He was alone and desperately frightened. He had no food, no water, nothing but his clothes, his borrowed shoes his two handkerchiefs and the knife. He spent the night on the shore, longing for morning, hoping that Captain Lake would relent and send a boat for him. And when morning came, he thought at first that this would happen, for he could still see the recruit in the offing. But instead of approaching the rock, she drew away from it. Soon she was hull down on the horizon, and then she disappeared. Poor Geoffrey was stunned by the truth that forced itself upon him. Captain Lake was not going to take him off the rock. All day, he wandered hopelessly about the shore, occasionally flinging himself on the ground in despair. He became very thirsty, and it did not take him long to discover that there was no fresh water to be had. During the next night and the following day, the pangs grew till they were almost intolerable. He tells us that at last he drank seawater, but he cannot have taken much, or he could scarcely have survived. On the third day there was a fall of rain, and he drank greedily of the water which collected in the hollows and crannies of the rocks. His thirst quenched, he found he was ravenously hungry. There was no vegetation worth mentioning on the island, there was no living creature to be seen, save the seagulls, which he had no means of catching and a revolting species of black lizard that crawled across his face at night. When on the fourth day he discovered a small piece of bark, he devoured it like a wild animal. On the sixth day he was again troubled by thirst, since most of the rainwater had evaporated. His cravings quickened his wits. Collecting the quills of seagulls, he made them into drinking straws and sucked up the water from the deeper crevices in the rocks where it still lay. On the same day, he saw two ships passing the island at a great distance, but naturally they did not notice such small signals as he was able to make. On the following day, another ship came quite close in, but once more he was unable to attract attention. During the nine days of his stay on Sombrero, Geoffrey had nothing to eat except that one little bit of bark, and though the heavy dews that fell at night and the water he was able to obtain through his quills kept him from perishing of thirst. He suffered much through the long, hot hours of sunshine. On the ninth day another ship appeared, sailing close inshore. This time Geoffrey was successful in disclosing his presence, and the ship saw him, and sent in a boat to take him off. None too soon, for after all he had endured, he was a pitiable object, parched with thirst, Starved and wholly exhausted. His rescuer was the American schooner, the Adams, commanded by Captain John Dennis, and sailing from Martinique to Marblehead. When Geoffrey told his story, the honest Yankees were full of indignation at the horrible treatment he had received. They, one and all, he wrote, wished the captain might have the same punishment for his cruelty. For a few days, his stomach could not retain any nourishment until someone thought of giving him oranges to eat. On this diet he soon recovered, and in little more than a week I was able to eat more than any man in the ship. Captain Dennis took the lad to Marblehead, where the story of his sufferings excited more indignation and such practical sympathy that Geoffrey resolved to stay in so hospitable a neighbourhood. He remained there for two years, taking a series of odd jobs, but neither from his own account nor from other sources, Do we learn whether these frequent changes meant a return of his old weakness? Let us go back to that old-fashioned Martinet, Captain Lake, who, when we last saw him, was calmly taking his ship on...